Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Uh, today's guest is Reverend Robin King. Robin, welcome back. It's been a little while. Thanks. Thanks, we've, Ben. Uh, we've, over the last, this last month, we have had a couple of guests on the podcast who are uh, locally famous, locally well-known in our community, Carrie Domstad and Kyle Simmers, and those were fantastic conversations. And what I think is kind of cool about um, bringing you back on the, the podcast sort of, you know, here and there and just fitting you in between some of these guests, Robin, is that uh, with guests, it's often like, okay, we have this one conversation, this one opportunity for me to to pull out as much of their story as we can fit into a 45-minute or an hour-long uh, casual conversation over a cup of coffee, dive into some, some deep uh, and meaningful spiritual conversation uh, and questions. But with you, it's a little bit different because you, you know, you and I sit down several times throughout the I year. I keep coming back is what you you're saying. You keep coming back. I won't go away. <laughs> but we, we, we sort of focus on like a topic or yeah. a story that isn't always necessarily your story. Like, Robin, tell me your life story. Um, but we'll pick a story to sort of talk about or a topic, right? And I guess that's what we're, we're going to do today. Um, but a piece of your story that I'm really interested in hearing today is to learn a little bit about um, what the last three months has been for you as you've been on a sabbatical. So for folks who aren't familiar with how this works in the church or in the United Church, uh, ministers typically will take uh, like a couple months uh, sabbatical once every five years. I think you're eligible and you've been, I think, five years since you've had one. So it's been a while. And you definitely <laughs> deserved and, and needed one, I think. This has been a, a kind of a tough last couple of years. Tell us a little bit about what you chose to spend that time on. Uh, what were you focused on? And what did it bring you in terms of spiritual nourishment or new stories to share with all of us? Well, uh, actually, you, you know, Ben, usually when people... When you say, when you work for the church and you say you're going to be on sabbatical, um, and people say, what's a sabbatical? The first inclination, of course, is to say, it's not a holiday. It's not a holiday. Well, yours it's, sure wasn't. And, and well, the thing is, the thing is, you know, I, I was thinking about that, though, the other day, because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done this week, right? My sabbatical ends this week, and so I'm back at work. Um, but I was at work. Um, it's just different work. Um, but but the, the thing is, you know, you hear people, they've, especially over the last little while. Oh, I need a holiday. I need a break. I need a holiday. Um, I need to get away from this. And that's not necessarily always the same thing. Um, get away from this and, and have a holiday. Um, people go on holiday, uh, just to have a break and do nothing. Right. Or, or, you know, you play games, you go to the beach, you read a book, you do, you know, you travel somewhere, see the world, you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. That's a holiday, right? Um, because it's time off, yeah. right? You're just having fun. Yeah. The thing about that, though, is how many people you hear, over the, especially the last while, who come back from a holiday and go, well, I just came back from my holiday. I think I need a holiday. Yeah. Um, because, especially if you have children. Well, yeah, <laughs> but because you didn't feel like you had one. Right. And, and the thing about that is I think more people maybe want to consider that the real value of a holiday, uh, isn't 
is, the real value of a holiday is more like the value of a sabbatical. Because the point of a sabbatical, at least in the I can tell you what I think it is in the church. Um, every five years, like you said, I, I'm eligible for three months. And uh, so is, a, is it a sabbatical? Like, like a university professor gets a sabbatical, gets a one-year sabbatical, and they're expected to produce something, write a book, do some research, um, there's an expectation that they'll actually do something with that time because a sabbatical isn't just a holiday. It's different work is what it is. Yeah. And the, the church's idea, I think, of a sabbatical is very similar to that in the sense that um, it's, it's not a holiday, it's different work. But um, it's not just a question of producing something. It's a question of uh, time for spiritual renewal, right? Um, you, you're expected to spend uh, expected you need to use that time in a way that renews and refreshes you in a way that empowers you when you come back to the work that you were doing, right? right. So you're going to do something that's it's still, it's still in its own way work, but you're going to do something that's hopefully going to bring you back to the job that you've been doing in a way that you feel refreshed and renewed and empowered and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. So right? that's why you look so radiant this morning. Is that, is that what you're getting at? No, that's too much coffee. Um, but, but, but I also, I think also though that there's no reason why that can't be coupled with doing something that's, um, I was going to say doing something that's productive, but 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 that is productive already, right? The idea of spiritual renewal. And so some people, for instance, on their sabbaticals, some people uh, go on retreats or they go, uh, they do a pilgrimage walk or something like that, those kind of things. Um, I, I chose to spend my time doing something creative um, and uh, uh, writing stories and... Um, um, taking some of the children's programming that we've done and some of the plays that we've done and try to put them, um, you know, when we do, when we create like a little play, like a Christmas play for the kids to do at Christmas time, we, we kind of put it together and then we do it. And then of course, as we're learning to do it and as we do it, things get changed around a little bit. So it's not ever the same as when you started out. And so we've been trying to sort of put those in a form that might be useful to other people, right? Mm -hmm. the, or that we might be able to do again. Um, sort of packaging and, it. So yeah. It's not kinda, just... Yeah. Packaging it in a way that it, it's, you, you know, you wouldn't look at the, the pile of scraps of paper and go, <laughs> how do I figure this out? Yeah. You'd kind of look at it and go, oh, hey, there's an idea. I could do this. Yeah. Um, and, and some stories. I'm particularly interested in stories and retelling, both retelling uh, biblical stories in a way that uh, might be uh, more easy for people to connect, especially kids to connect with. Um, I'm interested also um, uh, how to describe this and not make it sound like I'm just making stuff up. But I like to make stuff up. And, and I think one of the things about the stories about Jesus in particular is that we, we read the stories of Jesus and we share the stories of Jesus and we read a story and, okay, Jesus told a parable. Here is the parable, the end of the story. Is it, though? <laughs> Jesus, uh, Jesus heals someone or casts out a demon, moves on. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Is it, though? And, and so it's kind of a combination of that uh, Jewish tradition of Midrash where you, you kind of, it's the story you tell to illuminate the story. Um, it's a combination of that and 
and trying to trying to um, trying to expand a little bit, I think, um, the stories that we know about Jesus. Like we tell these stories where in, in just a few verses, we hear about Jesus meets this person, heals them, and moves on. But is, is that just, do we see that as just, you know, like, like those evangelical guys on TV where he smacks them on the, the forehead, be healed, and then moves on? Or did Jesus spend some time with that person, having conversation with that person, um, learning about that person, mm -hmm. learning their story, Getting helping them understand them. themselves a little bit better. And, and I think it's that mm -hmm. is the thing. I think it's fine to tell the miracle stories as if, you know, Shazam, it happened. But I think it's equally a miracle to understand the stories in a way that we might be able to see in the world and, and to see ourselves having a role in it. Yeah. Um, because those kind of miracles happen every day. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And, and I don't think that makes them, you know, then you, start, you use words like everyday miracles. It, that doesn't make them any less a miracle. Um, life itself is a miracle in many ways. Um, and I don't think it makes them any less a miracle. And I, I think we need to be able to tell those stories. And so, uh, for example, um, I, I did, I, I, wrote two different versions of the, the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed, depending on how you <laughs> interpret that, right? Yeah. There's different ways of interpreting it. But, but what I did was I wrote them as a, a woman with a garden and, and um, putting seeds in the garden. And, and, but I approached it from those two different perspectives of um, it, it's about the seed yeah. and it's about where it lands. So you wrote two different stories? So it was the same story told. In fact, the way I told them was the first, I tell the first story, Jesus tells this story. And, and I always, I was trying to tell things like that. I tried to tell them in a way which sounds like Jesus was interacting with, like the people hearing the story would ask questions or say stuff, right? Yeah. And so then the second time Jesus tells this story and he starts the story and then someone interrupts and says, you've told this one before. And of course, Jesus' response is, have I though? Because there's more than one way of seeing it, right? Yeah. And that's that's the thing about many of those stories is that there's more than one perspective. And and you know we invite people, for instance, we invite people to explore stories from the different perspectives of the people who are actually in the story. Who are you in this story? Kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, and because sure, we might want people to be Jesus in the story, but they might not feel like they are. Well, you right? do a great job of uh, you do that all the time in your sermons where you'll take uh, a gospel story, a parable, um, and present it in a way that invites us as a congregation to see ourselves as, you know, the sower. And then in the same sermon, also look at it from the perspective of seeing ourselves as the soil, seeing ourselves as the seed. Like you'll often... well. Or famously, famously, because I still hear about this. Yeah. The story of Jesus casting out the demon from the, like, that's the story, right? He yeah. casts out the demon into the pigs who then run into the sea. Yeah, yeah, What if you were the pig in this story? <laughs> what if you were in the pig, one of the pigs in this story, right? Um, and like, imagine yourself a pig and then suddenly you're, and, but that's, I think, I think all of those are legitimate ways to, 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 uh, it's a way into the story. Um, there isn't just one way. 
There's many ways into the so story. So do you think that it's intentional that when you read one of these stories from the Bible, it doesn't start out saying, you know, like Jesus will say, there was a woman who went to the well. But he doesn't say, I'm going to tell you a story and I want you to picture yourself as being right. the woman. He doesn't tell you where to place right. yourself. Right. He leaves it open-ended. Yeah. Like, yeah. is there well, any story even, where he does tell you to, like, This is you or this yeah. is who you need to be? I don't be. think there is. It's certainly, oh, that's, again, that's, oh, you know, that's one of the things about the Bible, right? Um, any of the stories anywhere in the Bible is that um, there are people who, there are people who do believe the Bible, there are still people who believe the Bible is the literal word of God. Um, and there's only way to, one way to understand that, and that's a, the literal way of God way. And Mm, yeah, but you're already interpreting it yeah, by saying that. Say, like you, the moment you, yeah. So we all you're we're still all, deciding yeah. who you are in the story. Yeah, you or, can tell me it literally means this because it's the literal word of God all you want, but it's you that's telling me that. And uh, I like the idea that we should each read the story and and uh, and think about how the story speaks to us. How is God speaking to me personally in this story? Mm -hmm. It's great for someone to say, here's some things to think about. It's great for someone to say, hey, here's a perspective on this story, or here's what I think about it. Um, as long as the point of that is to get you to think about it yeah. and to get you to engage it, to get you to understand it. Um, and it's, it's, I, I don't think it's okay for someone to say, it means this. And that's what you ought to think. Mm -hmm. And we have such a tradition of that um, still, um, but historically for sure. This is what it means. There's only one interpretation. Um, in fact, Jesus ran up against that a lot. Um, <laughs> but but I, we still, we always have, we, and we still do, because we want, we want, I want you to understand this the way I do. And I might actually have the best of intentions, in, in that, or I might have the worst of intentions, right? It's hard to tell sometimes. Um, I want you to understand it this way because I think it might be meaningful to you, but the only person who knows that for sure is you. Yeah. Right? As opposed to, you should, you should understand it this way. I'm going to tell you what it means so that you will behave the way I, I think you should. Or just so that we're, we all agree. Is it, or that, that we're all, it's not even a question of just agreeing. We're all the same. Yeah. And there is no same. It, there's 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 diversity and difference, yeah. and and it's very easy to go. That's not a good thing, except it is. It is invariably a good thing. And when we're telling stories, uh, even um, oh, there's a classic. Uh, I, I think it's a really good example of this. There's a classic Mitchell and Webb sketch. They're an English comedy uh, team from I don't know. I'm going to say the '90s, but I think they're still around. Um, and uh, they, did, they did a sketch where it's Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay. And he's talking to a room full of people, and Jesus starts with the story. And, and you can tell he's just at the end of the story, and he's saying, and it was a Samaritan, if you can believe it. A Samaritan of all people. And somebody in the, in the crowd goes, um, yeah, yeah, actually I can. I know some Samaritans, and they're pretty good people. And somebody else says something like, you know, I think, I think this is really just showing off your, your racial bias here, Jesus. <laughs> um, because obviously, obviously, the thing is, in the story, Jesus picks that, the person to be that, 
um, because of how the audience will hear it. Yeah. That they'll hear that as somebody they're not supposed to like, Mm -hmm. except suddenly he's talking to a room full of people where there are people there who have very positive experiences (laughs) and very positive feelings about Samaritans. And, and again, you can say, this is how you're supposed to understand it all you want. But the fact is sooner or later, somebody's going to go, but hang on. And so they need to be able to understand the story for themselves. Yeah. Right. And so you might retell that story where um, that person, that ca- the characters in the story represent things that are meaningful to you, uh, particularly the Sam- Samaritan role. Who is somebody that you uh, have been uh, culturally trained to not like or yeah. who is some- someone you're afraid of that you're so afraid of that it you don't want anything to do with them or, or I'm trying to avoid saying hate, but enemies, an enemy, right? Um, Jesus told the story that way entirely because he knew his audience would interpret Samaritan as, as an enemy that they're supposed to hate. Yeah. That's the same Jesus, by the way, who reminds people to love your enemies. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I, I think it's really important. First of all, I think it's really important um, for people to be able to hear and then tell the stories from the Bible um, in a way that is meaningful to them, where the message is is still there, the truth of the story is still there. Yeah, but it needs to be adapted to the audience. Like this is in my world as a storyteller professionally, like as a uh, someone who works in media and in um, filmmaking. I'm wrestling with that all the time. Uh, you know, we'll, Sarah and I will have a client that says, comes along and says, we want you to help us produce this story. Our first question is always, okay, who's the audience? Because how we tell that story completely depends on who's going to be hearing it mm-hmm. and where they're going to be watching it and how they're going to be consuming that content and, you know, what the, what that audience demographic is like and, what the in, in what order for are and what they're it's in order for the intent of the meaning intent of their meaning to be communicated yeah right because yeah. because i mean the thing is anybody can see it and interpret it the way they do mm-hmm. but if you have a message that you want to come across it's important that that message come across and not the opposite of that message yeah. come across right we, we talk a lot about um content engagement yeah. versus views right yeah. like in social media there's you know, yay, we had we put out a video, it had 10,000 views. Okay, did people engage with that or did they just look at it? Yeah. And there's a difference. What? Yeah, what did so, it do? Yeah, so yeah. what's the impact of that story? And that's yeah. something that is so relevant within these important spiritual stories uh, that we're talking about. That yeah. To engage with it is different than to just hear it, to sit through a sermon or to read a book. And okay, that was great, five minutes of flipping some yeah. pages, but did it impact you? Did you engage with it? Did you think about your role in the story? Yeah. Did you see yourself in it? Yeah, because of course, if you if you engage with it and you learn from it, um, that that has become part of you, as opposed to me just telling you how you should behave. Mm-hmm. Right. I've just affected. I may have affected your behavior, probably momentarily, um, but I haven't. I haven't. I haven't encouraged you to transform you, right? And that's the thing is that, that I, I, 
You know, and lots of lots in the church will say lots of things like it's about transformation, but you have to be careful how you say that because it's not about me transforming you. It's not even about the story or Jesus transforming you. It's the story and Jesus and the, the all of that, um, all of that truth um, that you engage that causes you to transform, mm-hmm. right? It's not about somebody making you do anything. It's about you doing it. I think that's what Jesus means when he keeps saying stuff about, um, you know, taking things to heart. It's not about the letter of the law. It's about what's at Mm. its heart. And it's about living it out. It's not about behaving a certain way or following a certain set of rules in order to enact a particular ritual on Sunday morning so that you can spend the rest of the week doing whatever the hell you want. Uh, (laughs) It's about whatever that is that you just did causing you to transform how you live the other the rest of the week Absolutely. right um and so i first of all i think that's that's a very important thing and so i think we should be able to share the stories not just here's what it says in the book here's my uh, exegesis and historical background and all of the facts you need to know in order that you might engage it we need to be able to say here's a story and let you engage it. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's fine to have the other and it's fine to do that. And let's face it. We do that on, that's what we do. That's part of preaching a sermon. Yeah. You got to do the, the background, the, the donkey work, the exegesis, the, the, the research, all of that stuff so that you can share the truth that's at the heart of that story. Um, and, and that's great. That's great because that, that's how I have a job. Um, but but I think it's also important for people to be able to read the story and go, how is this story speaking to me? And for lots of people, uh, it's, it's a challenge to read a, a story from the Bible without having, without being able to put it in your own context, right? Without having to, putting yourself in the story shouldn't mean putting yourself in another era, yeah, right. That's a good point. You know, um, and so so that's that's one piece. The other thing is that, um, quite frankly, most of my stories are, um, I think, for the most part, most of my stories tend to be childlike. I'm going to say it that way, and follow it up by saying most of them have been written for children. Right. However, I would also say um, that for me, uh, a very important thing about story is. Uh, to remember the moment that Jesus says uh, you need to come to God as a child. You come to the kingdom of heaven as a child. Um, With that same sense of uh, wonder and innocence and openness, vulnerability, right? That's how you you come to the story. Uh, And so for, for many adults, that's a challenge because we stopped being it and don't even tell me I should be a child. But yes, you should. We stopped being children a long time ago. We grew up. Except, okay, that also caused you to build all sorts of walls and structures and things that keep you from necessarily, uh, keep you from 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 engaging that wonder mm-hmm. and openness and innocence and vulnerability. Um, so the the child part of that is very important. Uh, and I think if we can tell a story in a way that is kind of is childlike, um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's a little bit like watching The Simpsons. Um, children will love it because it's a cartoon, 
but only adults will get most of the jokes. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, you need to be an adult to get most yeah. of the jokes. And and that's the thing about this telling the stories as a child is, is if you're able to tell the story in a way that a child will get the point, the truth that's at the heart of it, but an adult will also not only get the truth that's at the heart of that, but also then be able to take that into their their thinking and their like wonder about it some more and expand on it and 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 uh, find a way to bring that into their life that's that's the the way to tell yeah, that story definitely. i think well i think that your um i would say that all of the children's plays the productions that you and Lori have created over the last you know 10 years or so and there's been a lot of them our kids have been in quite a few of them uh, that they do that. There's not only uh, humor that you know only the adults would laugh at because references to different things, but there's also just a deeper meaning that it's entertaining for all ages, but also there's something that's provoking you to think yeah. deeper about it. And also in your books, so you've you've been in this journey of uh, storytelling and and taking stories that aren't your stories to tell, but packaging them and framing them and telling them in a way that maybe gives people a fresh perspective on them, maybe makes them more engaging, more entertaining, um, through your books, through your plays. Um, so tell me, is there, have there been other stories that you've been looking at and reflecting on other than these two, uh, children's stories that you were talking about that you've, that you've uh, read? yes, yes, a lot. Can I, can I just, uh, I, I want to say something about that. Sure. Especially the part where you said story that's not yours to tell. Um, but before I say that, I just want to say, just going back to like something you'd also said earlier about how you as a storyteller in in media, right? In in yeah. uh, video, in... Uh, uh, it, it, the, the thing about that is that... that uh, and you mentioned Laurie. So I write a story and then we, we do a play. Yeah. I, I don't want to say I write a play. I write a story and then we do a play because so much of so much gets, uh, it doesn't get changed so much as uh, developed. Mm. The moment you start to like, you have a director and like, yeah. like that's like Lori uh, with the kids and they create something it comes to life. The story comes to life in a way that allows me to then go back and revisit the story and go, Oh, okay. So this, and mm -hmm. let's do this. And, or there's a, yeah, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and I think that's very important because that's that's part of the engagement process, right? And so, in a way, I may have written the, had the original idea, but we all created it. Yeah, including right? the kids that are including in the, cheap the kids costume or the whatever on, um, on stage. The Star Child actually is a really excellent example of that because that was uh, that was a, I, I wrote that story. We I wrote it as a story. We turned it into a play, and the kids themselves actually inspired characters in the play. And the best oh, really? example I can give of that is that the story is bit, well, you should get the book and read the story. Um, but, <laughs> but the story is about stars, right? And at one point there's binary stars and, and lots of people will go, what's a binary star? Well, it's two identical stars that rotate in proximity to each other. Right. And the only reason the binary stars are mentioned in that story is because there's two little girls in our congregation who are identical twins and they were the binary stars. Yeah. And, and so that there were other, there were other kids that like, I, I thought, okay, uh, here's a character. And then that, that, that kid 
turned it into something more than it was <laughs> on the page. And I thought, yeah, okay, we're definitely doing that. Um, and so changed cool. it again. So it's, it's, it's really a, became a community creation, right? Yeah. Right. So, th so the, the other and thing, the kids don't even realize they're collaborating with you right? <laughs> or contributing yeah. to it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so the, the other thing I want to say though, too, is you mentioned stories that aren't mine to tell. And the thing is, the stories in the Bible um, are the Bi uh, Bible stories become our stories to tell by us doing what we've just been talking about. Like taking that story, engaging it, and finding our way into the story, and then being able to retell it as, our, as a story that is ours, right? Mm -hmm. So if I repeat it word for word, I'm simply repeating what's in the book. If I somehow manage to engage the story to a degree where I can go, this is how I would tell this story, then it can become my story, right? To, to yeah. tell. What isn't, and I think this is so relevant right now because uh, uh, September 30th is uh, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. And there are stories that need to be heard that are not everyone's story to tell. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think we need to hear, I, I'm going to say, we need to hear every last one of those stories. We never will. Um, and not in one lifetime, I don't think. I, it's probably not possible. But we need to hear, we need to have, there needs to be an opportunity for every single one of those stories to be told. And we need to listen. Mm -hmm. um, because it's very definitely those experiences. Not everyone had the same experience. The, the orange shirt story is a perfect example of that. Um, that the, the story that Phyllis Webstad tells is not everyone's experience of residential schools in, in any way. It's one child. It's, it's her yeah. experience. And thank, thank goodness she told it because it inspired a movement. Um, but there are many, many other stories that need to be told uh, as well. And those are stories that need to be told by the people who can tell them because it's their story. Mm -hmm. We need to simply shut up and listen. Yeah. Now, and some of those stories have been silenced because those children are lost. They're, yes. they, they, yeah. you know, they're not alive to, to share their stories. And now it, it, it's up to us as a, as a culture, as a society to try to honor the sto those, those voices that are silent yeah. and acknowledge that there's a lot of other storytellers who are silenced, not because they've died, but because we haven't created yeah. that openness to hear those stories yeah. and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And learn. Uh, and, and historically we've not been very good at that. <laughs> I mean, that's the classic learn from history mm -hmm. thing, right? That we're so not good at. Um, cause otherwise it'll repeat itself, which it does. Um, but, but here's, here's an opportunity for us to maybe break that, um, for once and, and hear the stories being told by the people who can tell them, um, not just because we need to hear them while they can still tell them, but we also need to hear the cultural stories um, that are uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Um, we need to hear those too. And, and I think, uh, particularly, we were, we were actually, we were talking about this a little bit before about um, uh, the difference between 
I'm I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go. I know I know I said I wouldn't, but I'm gonna. Um, we're talking about what's what's the difference? What what exactly is cultural appropriation? And I'm I'm taking a risk here because I do know what it is, and and from my perspective, um, I think though there is a a point at which um, it is valuable for us to be able to engage cultural stories in a way that it encourages us to grow. Mm -hmm. um, it's not about how we use them for for personal gain. That sounds wrong. Um, it, 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 we honor them in a way that allows us to engage them in a way that it becomes meaningful for us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Um, I don't remember exactly how I said it before. I wish I did. Um, but but that's that's for me. That's the thing. That's particularly with uh, indigenous spirituality. For for instance. Um, that that's that, that can be so valuable the, the other faith traditions it can be so valuable for us to engage that um not use it yeah but to engage it in a way that brings uh meaning to us um understanding to us uh learning uh to us uh, uh that causes us to grow in a way that is um uh, opening and, and, and engaging and not simply using it. Yeah. It's like, what's the difference between posing or usurping this uh, tradition or story that is not your own, it's not your cultures, it's not your heritage, but you're going to kind of make, like, pretend, right? Like, yeah. versus, um, you know, there's a lot of people who get into new age stuff or they get into yoga and they get into meditating. You don't have to be someone who's from yeah. that part of the world of, of the Middle Eastern descent to like, just because you didn't weren't born into a, a family that was Buddhist doesn't mean you can't benefit from meditation. Yeah. It, uh, uh but there's a difference between that and like yeah. posing. It, as, it's not my story, but I have found meaning in it. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> Excuse me. Um, that that meaning uh, that that's important. How else will we understand? Uh, first of all, um, but also perhaps it will. It, it, as as long as we honor it, uh, it can have meaning for us, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's it's uh, uh, you, you're not. Yeah, that's a good way of posing. You're not a poser, <laughs> um, and and it's it, to me it's a little bit like Jesus talking about how um there and, and not jesus's words but essentially what he's saying is there's a difference between behavior and and living it um and and that's that's the whole point of of knowing god and and uh, as jesus says he's not here to replace the law he's here to fulfill it right mm. and the fulfillment of that is to actually live it in a way that is meaningful, not just acted out because it's behavior, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and I, I just like there's so many things there's so many things from other cultures and other traditions that first of all that speak to me. I I, I appreciate them and I I honor them and I learn from them. But there's also some things where I just kind of go, I don't understand that at all. Tell me more. <laughs> Right. right. I want to learn more. I want to know more about it. Um, and uh, I, I hope I, and I certainly encourage that in, in anyone because the opposite, of the, the opposite, of the, and I'm, you know, 
I'm not saying I'm not guilty of this because who isn't, but the opposite of that is to be afraid of it and not know it. Yeah. Right. And what our goal is to always try and to be, uh, as Jesus would say, don't be afraid, Mm. um, engage it, get to know it. Uh, that's the only way we'll understand or, or, or that's the only way we'll know. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that builds relationship whether that's personal or intercultural or spiritual, it builds relationship. It creates opportunity for relationship. It opens up relation. And that's what Jesus is all about, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So to wrap this up then, tell me what your plans are um, with these stories that you've worked on over the last three months of your sabbatical. You said you've You've done some writing. Are these so, going to be turned into books? Okay, plays? so there's um, there's a couple of uh, short plays, hmm. um, uh, Christmas and Holy Week things, um, and there are there are some skits that I'm still working on that are um, they're short two three minute things that basically introduce a concept or an idea um, that would be either to introduce or comment on a biblical story. Yes. I I can't be more precise than that. Um, (laughs) But, um, would you like to see those like acted out or? Yes. The goal is for, for, to, to act those out. Um, and perhaps even create, perhaps even create videos with them, Ben. Um, (laughs) and, uh, uh, so there's those two pieces. Um, I have two books that are uh, children's books that are currently with illustrators now. Oh, cool. Um, that uh, I hope uh, I uh, will will publish. I hope, and um, and I've been writing uh, not just writing but also compiling some of the stories that I I've written over the last few years. Um, it, three years ago, I think maybe four years ago, during our kids' summer program. I started using the Bible as the big instruction book for loving everyone. Yeah. Um, it Best became a thing. Um, it, it, and so it kind of became a thing with the kids. And yeah. so um, I'm trying to sort of compile those stories together into what I'm going to call the big instruction book for loving everyone. <laughs> um, but they are essentially what we've just been talking about. They're... Um, either retellings of biblical stories or a story inspired by that. Got it. Um, Because there's a couple of three, I think there's two or three stories um, that are about, um, you know, basically basically we hear a fraction of Jesus and the disciples of their interaction, right? Yeah. And it's the fraction that is being told by whoever decided to tell them in order to make a specific point. Yeah. And so I like to wonder beyond that. Right. So, you know, like, for instance, if they were all traveling together and they were kind of, you know, sleeping out under the stars kind of thing, who made breakfast? Um, <laughs> right. And all the stuff like that. Holes in the, it's like if you, yeah. if you were reading your grandfather's travel diary and you know all of a sudden you're flipping through the pages and it goes weeks in between from one yeah. entry to the next what and, happened there? and all it says is you know i met this this uh, interesting character and we had this conversation well but how did you get there and how yeah. did you meet that How'd person that and where did they yeah. go after it's yeah. you just have these little um little snippets yeah 
as a view into that world and that time and their story and their journey. Yeah. And, and f- frankly, and some, of them are, some of them are, are, you know, some of them are a little bit. There's one about how one of the disciples, they're traveling, you know, I tried to imagine Jesus and the disciples traveling around together. And, and one of them is about how one of the disciples decides to wear pants. Um, and the other disciples make fun of him for wearing pants. And then he gets really sad about it. I'm, I'm really just like, consult, like just reducing this Impressing into, it, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, uh, um, the other disciples make fun of him and, and Jesus points out that, you know, because he was wearing pants, he was the one who could climb the tree to get the fruit. And because he was wearing pants, he was the one who was able to, you know, do this or do this or do this because, you know, the other disciples wearing the big, you know, robe things yeah. and, and stuff. And, um, he feels better about it. And then one day, um, one morning they get up and they're getting ready to go and turns out two or three of the other disciples are wearing pants now. <laughs> and it, it just, it was just kind of, I was trying to think of a way to say, um, you know, we always talk about the 12, the 12, the 12. Okay. Then we talk about the 11 and the one, right? Um, and every now and then there's a story like I got a story about Peter and how he gets, Jesus wants to call him Rocky. But he doesn't like that, so he ends up, or Simon, want, Jesus wants to call him Rocky, and he ends up with Peter, which means the rock, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, but the, the idea behind it is to imagine that, yes, there was 12, but they were all unique individuals. Yeah. Sure, four of them were fishermen. Okay, but you're grouping them again as yeah. if they're all the same. Yeah. And they're not. They all have unique uh, personalities and a unique way of approaching things. And I tried to imagine how Jesus engaged their uniquenesses mm. in conversation and as they were traveling or uh, with, with different stories that Jesus like might've told this story. And then one of the disciples went, I don't get it. Like yeah. what's the, you know, stuff like that. And I, I just, I, I think that if that, if that helps get into the story and into the truth that's at the heart of the story, that's great. If it doesn't, I toss it. Hmm. That's the that's the the filter, hey. The, yeah, that's the bar. It yeah. it makes me think about um, about stage performance, about theater, and about like musical theater, anything like that, where you have these lines, or you have a song, or you have dialogue, whatever it is that you're performing, but you are creating a character. Like you could have. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. we've done Jesus Christ Superstar, right? We had twelve disciples. We had a few a few disciples that were mm-hmm. female performed by females, my wife being one of them. And, uh, it's like, there's so much that you can create on stage by the way you move your, your body language, the way you move, the way you react to each other, the unspoken little, you know, subtle things yeah. that create a sense of a character yeah. That is more than just the words on the page on the script or in the Bible story that you're yeah. reading about the disciples, right? Yeah, and and um, plus we're 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 so so well past if there ever was one, was there ever one, an era where it was simply entertainment. It's not like theater is a way of telling a story. In fact, in fact, Sunday morning is theater in its own way, right? We do ritual. What's the point? Of ritual, well, it's action that you know. It's it's an action that brings understanding or mm-hmm. or connects you, right? And but theater does that. Mm-hmm. It you know dramatizing things, um, and and so it's it's a way to communicate. It's it, 
yet another way to communicate the message or tell the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and you get to, uh, that's a moment where you get to literally take someone else's story and make it your own because you're inhabiting the character. Yeah. Right. And th- that's, uh, that's the thing about acting, right? Um, there's a really funny thing. Ian Mc, Sir Ian McKellen does this really funny thing with, um, uh, what's Ricky Gervais where he talks about acting and being Gandalf, and and he talks about how I'm I'm Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen, I'm Gandalf, Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen, and like you just you're just pretending kind of. But it's and it's funny because that isn't what it is at all. It, it's in, it's about inhabiting the character. It's mm-hmm. being the per, the character, the, yeah. right? It's not just pretend. Yeah. It's you if you if you are that character, you are communicating that character. Yeah. If you're just pretending, well, you know. It's like Jimmy Kimmel talking about Matt Damon. His acting is so effortful. <laughs> um, you can tell he's working hard at it. No, you can't. That's the point. That's the character. Is yeah. It, when when you're being the character, when you're telling the story because it has meaning to you, the people hearing it will hear that it has meaning to you. Yeah. Right. And you hope that you're sharing that meaning with them will inspire them to n- not just find meaning in it, but find. It, um, their own meaning in it that allows them to share the story again, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've <laughs> I've had so many times where I'll be at the school, you know, maybe picking up my kids or watching a basketball game before COVID, anything like that. And um, a kid that I don't know will see me and be like, and they'll say, "Hey, you're donkey," <laughs> like yeah. from from Shrek, right? Like years, th- two, three, four years after we did Shrek. I'll have a kid come up to me and say, Hey, you're donkey. And I love that. Like, and you know, I'll maybe do say something in donkey's voice and they get a kick out of it. And, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I am really excited, uh, about all of this, uh, stuff that you've been working on, uh, working way too hard, uh, when this sabbatical should have been a time, uh, well, also replenishing and rejuvenating your spirit. Coming so I, back to the sabbatical. I hope some of that happened as well. Yeah, coming back to the sabbatical. The thing is that doing that, uh, and that's the thing about what's so personal about a sabbatical, is that whether it's spiritual renewal, whatever it is that you do, or whether you do something that's creative, uh, or you do research, or whatever it is that you do, the, the point is for it to be uh, refreshing, rejuvenating, inspiring. And uh, one of the re- that's one of the reasons I chose to do something creative like that is that, yes, it's a lot of work and there's a fair bit of donkey work in there. Um, no, fu- no pun intended there. But um, there's a fair bit of work there. But it's, it's that creativity itself is inspiring, right? Yeah. Um, so and encouraging and rejuvenating. And, yeah. And... So there's, there's both, I found time for both pieces and, uh, I think both pieces have done what they were supposed to. I hope, I hope I will say one thing though, for anyone, uh, who is planning a sabbatical from any, whether it's a minister or anything, leave town Hmm. for your sabbatical. Yeah. I can see why people do. It's so hard to, to delineate that part of your life and to, to not answer that email or well, to it to get away right i yeah. mean part of the point of it is to get away from what you were doing yeah and so if you can actually remove yourself from entirely yeah so, and the thing is i said that the first time i went on sabbatical uh five years ago six years ago now anyway i said when i came back i said oh i should have left town yeah 
And I don't mean that sarcastically. I just, or, or you know, in a derogatory you know, way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if the point is to remove yourself from what you were doing and do something that's inspiring, you know, creative, all that kind of stuff, you should remove yourself from it. Uh, not not necessarily for the whole time, but to get away, mm-hmm. right? Because um, I think I think y- y- that's I think you need that. Mm-hmm. I think you need that. Well, next time, <laughs> <laughs> next time we'll send you send you further away. Yeah, you you'll get rid of me is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. temporarily. See, see that you know, yeah. I I'm just glad that we survived the last uh, twelve weeks or whatever it's been. People um, did really well. We, we got really through well. it, you know, we, the church building was closed for a lot of that time. Um, and then we, we were faced with, okay, it's time to, you know, other churches are opening when we had to kind of decide when are we going to welcome people back into yeah. the building and how do we do that if we don't have Robin here? And so that felt kind of weird to, but that, that also, to celebrate people coming back into the building and our minister yeah. was not at the front, but, um, but you know, we... I think what, for me, it made me realize that, um, you know, the church, for one thing, the church isn't one person. It's never one leader. No. And that uh, we together have built something and created something where our main leader person, you, can be absent during a, a Sunday morning that is especially significant because we're welcoming everybody back into the building. And it doesn't feel like, oh, we can't do this without Robin. Mm-hmm. Of course we can. And Robin's yeah, still here. Robin's, Robin's impact uh, is everywhere through how we're doing that. And and I'm sure you were probably watching the live stream at home. Too. I actually so was you thinking were... I didn't really need to come back. So uh, <laughs> let me let me also just I I I'm just I do want to say um, everyone and remember that the word sabbatical is connected to Sabbath, right? Um, and because that's what a Sabbath is, mm. right? A Sabbath yeah. is not a day off. A Sabbath is not a day to do nothing. A Sabbath is a day that you set aside to reflect on and engage with God, however you know God. Yeah. That's the point of a Sabbath. It is not a day off. It is not a day to do nothing. It's a day to do something very important um, yeah. that we don't uh, often spend enough time on on our day- day-to-day lives, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say everyone, whatever it is that you do, you need a sabbatical. It doesn't need to be three months or six months or a year. It, it could be like a day uh, or a couple of days. Take a sabbatical. Please don't do it all at the same time, <laughs> but take a sabbatical. Um, take a couple of days to get away from whatever it is that you do and do something different. Uh, think about it ahead of time and do something different that you think will inspire or engage you in a way that will refresh you, right? Yeah. Um, everyone should do that for sure. Uh, and And... I, you know, I, like, I, I honestly think uh, this was, especially right now, right? You, you mentioned that the church was closed a lot of the time that I was away, but we were supposed to be coming back at the beginning of September. We were going to have a nice big celebration. We we're going to invite everybody. We we're going to start doing some of the um, community stuff that we do, the social things that we do. We were going to be able to do like movie nights and dinners we and have a big lunch. do all yeah. the stuff that we're going to do. And we can't yeah because the thing changed again right yeah. and and here we are again not just with a fourth wave but also with a fourth wave of disappointment 
and uh, uh, people being frustrated and angry. And now we've got the whole vaccination, not vaccination thing happen. All that kind of, and the, what do we, what do we call it in Alberta so that we don't have to call it a passport? <laughs> the exemption. The, something exemption uh, something thing. Program. Um, all of that stuff, uh, it, 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 honestly, it take a sabbatical from it for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, a couple of days or a day, whatever, just a bit to get away from it and come back to it with, you know, fresh eyes, fresh heart, fresh yeah. mind. Take a digital detox yeah. or yeah. whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah, stop just... looking at Facebook for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think, I think people, I, I honestly think everybody needs to have a, whatever it is you do, mm. whatever it is you do, you need a sabbatical. Even if you're retired. Even if you're retired, <laughs> take a sabbatical from being retired because you know, yeah, and uh, in all seriousness, like uh, most of the retired people that I know, particularly newly retired people that I know are busier now than they were before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and it's probably quite easy for them to say, yeah, but I'm busy doing the things I want to do rather than things I had to do. Sure. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Still. It can be really helpful to take a little break and, you know, take 24 hours or, you know, two or three days or a week or something and go and do something that's different. Yeah, I think we could all benefit from that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad that you did this, Robin. Me too. Uh, like I said, I really mean it. I'm glad we survived it. But I'm, I'm really happy for you and for us as a church family um, that, uh, that you took that time. And I'm so excited, like I said, to see all of the fruits of it. Um, both in the form of these stories that are going to turn into some books and productions and maybe some videos that we can share with lots of people, um, but also through your your sermon storytelling and all the other ways that you share the, the reflections that you've had, the new thinking, the new perspectives that you're going to share with us. So thank you sure. in advance for all of that that's coming uh, coming soon. Thank you. And I'm sure some of it will work its way into future episodes of this podcast too. So maybe, I mean, yeah. after all you do come on quite frequently, more often than you probably want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Robin. This is awesome. Thanks. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you'd like to listen to more conversations that I've had with Reverend Robin King, there are plenty of them on our in our archives, and you can find all of those past episodes at risingspiritministry.com, uh, and of course all of the guest episodes that we've had with others sharing their stories on the podcast. Uh, Robin's weekly blog is on the website there as well, and archives of our past sermons and Sunday morning worship services. And you can join us for those uh, any Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Mountain T Standard Time, uh, where we'll be live streaming. Um, yeah, so thanks for uh, joining us in this conversation today. And until next time, take care. Be well.